Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Sometimes you gotta fully embrace it and go all in. I don't think y'all knew Joe Dirt went to this church. Joe Dirt is here. You can take the boy out of East Tennessee. But I'm not even sure East Tennessee wants that. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But I love these. I think they are great. They are glorious, I would say. Some of the best pictures I've ever taken in my entire life. And since we're talking about fully embracing it and going all in this morning, let's do just that. Uh, tech booth in the back. I just don't think the name CT is going to cut it today with this gloriousness up here. So can you please give me a better name? Something. <laughs> now, this is the first week of Pastor Michael's teaching break, and he might come back early after he sees what happens up here. Who knows? But... If you're new this morning, this beautiful mullet was just last month. But like some of you out there, my wife thought it was less than great, AKA hideous. Also, she said if I showed up like this on our first date, she would have ran away and never talked to me ever again. So in order to keep the marriage game strong, the mullet had to go. But, before we did it, we got a Groupon, and if you know the Thompson family, of course we got a Groupon. What else would we do? We got a Groupon to JCPenney in Hagerstown to go get these pictures taken. <laughs> Just makes it even better. Uh, they're better than I ever imagined. I am obsessed. I even made one of them the centerpiece to our home, and I think they are wonderful. And since we're talking about going all in today... Let's just do that, shall we? It's one thing to see this up on the screen, but it's a whole nother thing to see it and experience it in person. So with no further ado, now here's the best thing. I don't know if you just heard that reaction from the front row. That is my love serve. That is my wife. I had this shirt sent to a friend's house, and when I practiced at home, I skipped over this reveal, so she just found out that this is in t-shirt form. <laughs> People after first service were like, you need to print more of those. We'll buy them. I was like, yeah, we should. Also, Christmas 2023, family pictures right here. This is perfect. Legends get remembered and mullets never die or, or something like that. I think that's how the quote goes. But to transition to a more serious note, we are in our TLDR series. And today I want to continue that series by talking about a guy named Abram from the book of Genesis in the Bible. And if this helps you out, some good mental images to kind of wrap your mind around the message that we are getting into today. Think about a baseball player that lays out for an amazing diving catch. I was in New York yesterday. I'm not a New York fan. If you hate mullets, you probably like the Yankees. I am a Cubs fan, but this is how the game ended yesterday. An amazing diving catch by one of the outfielders. 
if sports aren't your thing, it's that scene in the movie where Luke Skywalker agrees to take the ring to Frodo so that Thor can marry Barbie. I kind of thought some of y'all would groan about that, honestly. It's a marriage proposal. It's somebody getting baptized. Or for some of you in the room, it's exactly what you did this morning, giving church a try for the first time ever or the first time in a very long time. And if you think about these things for just a moment, you'll quickly realize that going all in brings major emotions and insecurities to the surface. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you think about Jesus. This is your first Sunday or your 100th Sunday. You are here. We all have room to grow in our relationship to be all in with Jesus. And there are people in your life who desperately want you to hear the hope and the love that Jesus has for you. And so today we're going to do that just that by looking at the story of Abram. And he fits perfectly into our TLDR series because the story is very long in a very long book of the Bible. But if this story connects with you, go home, open up Genesis chapter 11 and read the full story of Abram. One of the beautiful moments in his life is when God changes his identity and his meaning by giving him a new name from Abram to Abraham. It might seem like a small change to us, but this represents a really big change. Abram means exalted father. Abraham, father of many. And especially in his time and in his culture, names were very much a part of your identity and who you are. We don't think about names the same way that they did back then. I looked it up. Two of the fastest growing boy names in 2023 are Dutton and Koa. Like, belly button Dutton, what are you going to do? Nickname your kid Lint? I don't know. Cool. <laughs> You are named after a TV show, haven't seen it, TLDR, don't care, that will be long forgotten about by the time you care what your name means and it will make no sense to you whatsoever. And Koa, like as in the campgrounds, Koa, like stinky bathrooms in West Virginia, this is what we're naming our kids after? I don't understand, but I guarantee you Abram knew the meaning of his name. It was a big part of his identity. People knew him as the exalted father. The problem was he wasn't a dad. He didn't have any kids. You think this didn't strike a nerve with him, make him question himself and bring insecurities to the surface? In moments of quiet contemplation or when meeting somebody new for the first time? Yes, yeah, me. Childless, exalted father, nice to meet you. And let's pause right there for a minute and bring the story into the room. Have you ever desired to have kids, but that was a hard journey? Physical difficulties within your body, maybe you wanted to have that someday, but you can't take the first step because you can't find a godly man or wife to begin that process with. Look at it from a different angle. You ever felt like you were a disappointment in life? Coaches, teachers, your own mom and dad. You ever felt like you've been given an identity and you just never lived up to it? 
I know there was a time in my life I chose to quit my corporate America job for good reason, let's be honest, sold all of my stuff and moved halfway across the world to Uganda in East Africa to be a missionary. And everyone, literally everyone was telling me, this is what you were made to do. After a life of more degrees and working in higher education and corporate America and volunteering, people are like, we're going to see you every four years when you come back to visit. And I go there only to realize this isn't it. And then a year later, I have to look those same people in the eye, and I feel like I am the failure because I didn't live up to their expectations. Abram seems like a real person now. His insecurities are a part of his story, just like our insecurities are a part of our stories. And for Abram, his insecurities, they hit deep. He is the childless, exalted father. And we know it's constantly on his mind. The story is very long, TLDR. So let's catch up on some of the details here. Genesis 15, God comes to Abram and talks to him, has a conversation and says, do not be afraid. You are my shield and my grace. Great reward. That's a beautiful message that we all need to hear this morning. But he immediately hits back with, yeah, that's great and all, but... And this is one of the things that makes him so relatable. He gets this beautiful message directly from the voice of God, this like soul-boosting message, and he's not able to just sit and live in that. But we can't either. I mean, the apartment, the townhome, it's fine for now, but having the kids home this summer is great. We have more time with them, but yes, you're right. My health is improving, but just last week, we took our kids to Rachel's parents' house. They live at the beach in Delaware. We had five days of a vacation, beach cool, wonderful time. The day that we drive home, we've been home for like six hours. And one of my kids, she looks up at me. She says, Daddy, can we go to the pool today? Because staying home and doing nothing with you is boringer than the pool. And I'm like, what do you think we just did for the past five days? That's exactly what we just did. We are just like Abram. We focus on what we don't have rather than all the good things that God has given us. And he doesn't have kids. He reminds God, I don't have kids. I'm childless. Who's going to inherit all my stuff? Who am I leaving everything to? Should I just give it to one of my servants? And then God takes him outside and says, look up at the stars and start counting them if indeed you can. Every single one of those stars that you see is a child for generations to come that's going to come from your very own family. You will have a son from your own body. Okay, God, I get it. I hear you. Show for us. I trust you. Abraham does, but his wife, Sarai, doesn't get the message. She says, husband, take my servant and sleep with her. If I can't give you any, then we're going to have kids through somebody else. And it worked. The servant girl got pregnant. And Sarah's like, I guess if God says you're going to have a family through your body, that doesn't mean it has to come through my body. And she gets very angry and jealous of her servant because she is pregnant with what she wants. And so her response is to kick her out. I like to call this making decisions based off of life's pain rather than God's plan. But an angel intervenes and sends the servant girl back. And at the ripe old age of 86 years old, 
Abram finally becomes a dad. And 13 years later, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, and his new meaning is a father of many. God says, hey, that whole promise that night under the stars where I established this covenant with you born out of love for you and your family and your future generations, I meant that. This is your new identity now. God doesn't make promises that he can't keep. God is who he says he is. And in this moment, God is going all in on his promise to Abraham. And God says, hey, by the way, I'm changing your identity. I'm changing your meaning, but it's also your wife as well. She gets a new name and she gets a new identity. And she is not an afterthought because you are unified together on this journey. Everything sounds great, right? Like fuzzy feelings, life's wonderful. Nah, it's not that way. When God tells Abraham that his own wife will bear him a son, his response is to laugh out loud to God. He's like, oh, she's 90 years old. I think her clock hit zero a few decades ago. But God says, one year from now, your wife will bear you a son. That's exactly what happens. And Abraham is 100 years old when the family with his wife begins. The servant girl and her son are permanently sent away, and the three of them start living life together. Life is great. Life is hard. Son has a near-death experience. Eventually, wife does die, and then as kids do, son grows up, finds his own wife, moves on with a life of his own, and eventually Abraham dies as well. But in this TLDR about being all in, the focus is how God went all in on his promise to Abraham, and at some point... Abraham had to do the exact same thing in his relationship with God. And it's easy to think that this happened the night the, the covenant was established, that night under the stars, or when he's holding his baby boy from his wife for the very first time. But I think that it actually happened much earlier than that. Abraham had his own moment where he pushed all in in his relationship with God. For me, that day was July 10th, 1994. I didn't fully know it yet, but at the time, my life changed forever when I was 10 years old because I started to grasp this idea of my life is not about me at all. For my wife, that day was July 7th, 2015. She just celebrated her baptismal anniversary, and I will celebrate mine tomorrow. Tomorrow, I will have been baptized for 29 years my expression of telling God, I'm all in. I don't know everything. I have some questions. There's stuff that I don't understand, but I've experienced and I love what I have experienced and I want more. And for some of you in the room, it's time. For one of us in the room later today at service, that time is now. But for some of you in the room, that time is next week. That time is next month. Time for you to go all in and make the decision to be baptized. Check the baptism box on your connection card. Our staff will follow up with you this week. Now, Abraham himself was not baptized because that wasn't a practice in biblical times until the life of Jesus, but he did have his own all-in moment. And here it is, the big reveal, Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, 
your family, your house, and go to the land that I will show you. I know, right? Like, that's it? This is the thing that we've been building up to for 15 minutes. This is it? That really boring detail in the story? Yes, that is it. And this is his defining moment in the life of Abraham. One of my favorite musical artists is a guy named Matt Carney, and he's a song that is called In the Middle, and the chorus of that song has always stuck with me. No safety nets, no parachutes here. One foot on the water to face these fears. Coming out strong like I can't be wrong, I said, hey, I won't fall in the middle. I love the imagery of the song. The words are awesome. They perfectly describe Abram because his dad took him, his wife, and his nephew on a journey. Genesis 11 tells us that dad set out to go live in a place called Canaan. Canaan is where Abraham ends up. Dad never gets there. Dad sets out on a journey, but he only goes halfway. Check this out from Genesis 11, 31 and 32. Terah, Terah is Abraham's dad, took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of son Abram, and they went together from Ur of the Chaldeans to the land of Canaan. But when they went as far as Haran, they made their home there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. A lot of names, a lot of words that we may not even know how to pronounce correctly in places, but the big point is Ur was the original place, was called to go to Canaan, and dad never made it there. And some Bible scholars believe God actually wanted to establish his covenant with Abraham's dad, but he never did because as some translations tell you, dad settled. Canaan's the goal. Canaan is the destination. Eh, Haran's fine. It'll do. It's good enough. I can live here. So that's exactly what he did. He lived there and he died there. And only when Abraham was of age did he and his family go to the place that God had originally called them to go. You'll see in the map on the screen, Ur is on the right side of the map, and you have to go north to Haran and then come back down south again for the ultimate goal of Canaan. Canaan is a region, not one specific place, and so that is represented at the end of the line with Shechem and Hebron. That is where Canaan is. And if you dig really deep into the, word, uh, to the weeds of this story, you will find out that Abraham's dad is rich, filthy, filthy rich. And this means he's got a lot of stuff. He has tons of animals, and he has a lot of servants. So moving is a long, slow, hard, arduous process. Also, you can't just cut straight across the desert because there's hundreds of miles of desert and you'll end up dying everywhere on, on that trip would. And it's estimated the total distance from Ur up and then back down is somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 miles to reach Shechem and Hebron on the map. That's like walking out of here today and going to Kansas on foot. How many of us even know where Kansas is on a map? 
I don't know, like look for wheat or something, whatever they have in Kansas. I don't even know what they have in Kansas, but God's call is not easy. So maybe dad just got tired of moving. Maybe he just got tired of being really hot and on the go all the time. Maybe dad cared more about his job than he did his relationship with God. The book of Joshua, chapter 24, tells us Abram's dad served other gods. And Jewish literature records tell us that his profession, his trade in life, was to be a craftsman who made idols to multiple different kinds of gods. And the people of Ur and the people of Haran worshipped the same moon idol god. So it's very reasonable to assume business was good. Business is good in Ur. I move up here. I have the same trade. I'm high in demand. I sell a bunch of stuff. Business is good in Haran where I settle. And so being all in on his relationship with God meant a drastically reduced paycheck or giving up his profession altogether and relying on God to provide for him. Maybe dad got sentimental. We know that Abram's brother died and dad had to witness his own son die and that son's name, Haran, the exact same town where dad settled and made his life. Maybe he decided to settle there because it brought some strange connection and memories to the past of what was that is no longer. We do not know all of the reasons why, but it is very clear the original journey is Canaan, started by Abram's dad, and he never gets there. So God speaks to Abraham to finish the journey, and he did. He left his family left his house, the town he grew up in. He left it all on the table. And this is his all-in moment. No parachutes, no safety nets, no foot on the water to face these fears. I'm coming out strong like I can't be wrong because I said, hey, I won't fall in the middle. And some of you in the room today, you need to hear this. You are not fill in the blank mom, dad, sibling, whoever it might be. That's their life and that is their decisions, but that is not you. You are unique, you are your own, and you, by following God's teachings, you can be more than them. And you may have seen and witnessed settling, falling short of expectations, but that is not you. You are your own generation. Your parents who don't care about church or your mom or your grandma who's upset that you are not a part of Catholic church any longer. The person in your life who thinks that this church is really strange because we talk about emotions and feelings and things get messy. The people who think you've gone off the deep end because you've told them, maybe even your own spouse, I want to start giving my money to this church. You are your own generation. And for a world and a society all around you that just says, settle for Haran, it's good enough, you'll be fine. Trust God enough to go out and find your own Canaan. And as we move away from Abram and start to look at ourselves, the natural question is, are you all in on your faith? This week, the past seven days, have you been all in for Jesus? Did you read your Bible? Did you pray to God? 
Have you signed up for any number of our service opportunities for four Frederick Week? Does your money say that you are all in on your relationship with God? The staff doesn't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. When is the last time that you did something tangible to show your staff appreciation for how hard they work for you? Don't know where to start? Amazon gift cards are really cool. Everybody loves those things. If you were here two weeks ago, that was our next step Sunday. And we learned some big takeaways when it comes to our faith and our kids. Make being here a priority on Sunday morning. Take your faith home with you and show that faith throughout the week. So if you're a parent in the room, if you heard that message as well, in the last 14 days, have you read your Bible with your kids? We know this is one of the most important things that you can do with your children, and I'm specifically going to call out the dads and the men in the room. Have you read the Bible with your kids? Put aside all of your lame excuses. Be real with yourself. Is this something you initiated on your own, or was it your wife who was leading the charge? We just finished a kick you in the butt series called Game Changer, all about how men should step up for their family's faith. And has this all been forgotten or are you doing something about it? If you were a part of that series, you heard the statistics, you heard the science, you know why it's important for you to step up and lead. Are you doing that? I don't care if your kids roll their eyes. I don't care if they grumble. I don't care if they're nine months old or if they're 35 years old. If they are living in your house, reading the Bible together should be a priority. And if that is not happening, men, that falls on you. You need to create that culture. Somebody after first service came up to me and they said, I feel personally convicted. I need to go home and read the Bible with my kids. And I said, good, I'm glad. And if you're a student in the room sitting here with mom and dad, we have brand new sixth graders in this environment now. If you are a student in the room and mom and dad are not making this happen, you have my full permission and you can blame me to pester and annoy your parents all you want to to make this happen. You can be a part of that culture as well. For everyone in the room this morning, If this Sunday morning environment is as deep as your faith goes, your faith is mediocre at best. Sunday morning should be the culmination of the week, and it should push you into the week ahead. It is absolutely great to be here. Our staff creates great environments for you and your kids. But if this is all your faith is, week in, week out, right here, showing up and nothing else, that is a problem. What do you need to do differently in the next seven days to be all in on your faith? And who do you need to tell to help make that happen? A lot of the stories in the Bible are very big. They define TLDR. This story from Abram, Abraham absolutely does that. There's some confusing things in there that you might not understand, but in this entire story about Abraham, the takeaway is really simple. What do you need to do in the next seven days to be all in on your relationship with Jesus? I'll close by telling you this. When I fully embraced it and when I went for this, there was no doubt 
Once that first cut was made, there was no going back. You can't cover this up with a baseball cap, right? It just doesn't happen. Strangers would stare. I would be driving down the road and I would catch strangers staring at me as the flow was going out the window, out the back. Many people gave me a compliment. They asked me if I lost a bet. Some of y'all told me that the 80s died a long time ago for a reason. But whether your opinion is wrong or if you love the mullet, it's undeniable. Once I fully embraced it and went all in, the people in my life couldn't help but notice. And if you ain't smelling what I'm stepping in here yet, let me make this real clear. Forget the mullet and think about your life. When you go all in on your faith, Whatever that looks like for you, the people in your life will notice. It's undeniable. So for the next seven days and the next seven decades after that, fully embrace it and go all in. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for Sunday morning. We thank you for a chance to dig into a character from the Bible, names and geography, places that kind of don't make sense. But when you break the story down, he's a real guy. He looks a lot like the person I see in the mirror every day. He's got challenges. He's got insecurities. But he also has this beautiful all-in moment over and over again in his life where you say, I am all in on my relationship with you, Abraham. And he decides to do the same thing and give that right back to you. And so, God, whatever that looks like for us, I pray that we have the courage to take that next step in our faith with you in the next seven days. It's in your son's name. Amen.